Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo Decoded Report, Personalized Cannabinoid and Terpene Suggestion, Endo Aligned Product Matching in Your State, Suggested Dosage Guidelines, and Optimum Methods of Administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeca Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeca Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Hey. It's Wednesday, it's 12 o'clock. You're joining us here at Legal Cannabis Legalization News. Uh, you know, uh, you have to be 18 and over uh, in the industry or 21 over. Ah, Tom will tell me. <laughs> hey, uh, join us. We're talking the latest news. Trip over my goddamn words. Where you go? There you are. We brand speed's good. We brands feeds good. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on a wonderful episode of Cannabis Legalization News for the week. Another fast week in the news. And so we have a lot of stuff to go over. Uh, first, you know, I wanted to thank all of the viewers and also the subscribers and the uh, members of the channel. And then, of course, our sponsors. We have something really interesting that we cooked up over at our website, CannabisLegalizationNews.com. I'm not sure if you knew we had a website. We just relaunched it recently, and um, then we were doing some coding after we did other coding. And so right now, it looks like we're kind of live right there. Hey, But uh, now whenever a, an article is published, a video is published on Cannabis Legalization News, it creates a corresponding article. And then that article uh, is, here's one from last week where we did great moments in weed history about The Simpsons. And uh, hey, do you like beer cartoons? This was written by a robot. And so we have a robot called Jarvis that's going to help us do um, our blog posts. And so, like, if you think that robots shouldn't be writing, drop us it in the comments and let us know what you think about it. You know, if you like robots, smash them likes, click subscribe as we discuss our lead story of the week. Yeah. So uh, are we going to go for the man serving life? I think the man serving life was the lead one of the week. There was another one about the Supreme Court that snuck up on us, uh, up on us. But what's this story about the man serving life in prison for $20, yeah. uh, Miggy? Ah, sentenced in 2014 to a life in prison over $20 weed deal. 39-year-old Kevin Allen has shot at being set free under a new, new Louisiana law that allows district attorneys to reach out post-conviction plea agreements with prisoners. Why, why is that new? That should be like just justice. Well, I think it's because what they it's new in the sense that uh, it's no longer a crime. So, you know, maybe that's why. But it's new law, LACCRP Art 930.10A, for those of you who may be barred in Louisiana, 
Um, Louisiana, fun fact, only state in the union that is civil law as opposed to common law. Hmm. Uh, now, that allows attorneys to reach out post-conviction plea agreements with prisoners. There's now an opportunity. Let's see. The Cannabis Prisoner Advocacy Group Last Prisoner Project launched the hashtag Free Kevin Allen campaign to put public pressure on DA Marvin to reconsider Allen's case. I, w- I, w- I would hope so. But, you know, and I just this is what justice is so hard and you know it's easier to free him or to imprison a man than it is to free him like retrograde justice should be a thing you know like unfortunately when lance got raided they couldn't use the uh the robocker uh memo robocker far was really really new if not even there when they got raided from what i recall yeah yeah so i mean but even though the modern times i just i just really hate this how you know, we all agree that 90% of us all know that cannabis is not the crime that we're taught, but yet nothing is retrograded. Nothing's uh, up to date where it's like, hey, we can have proper justice and proper uh, punishments. This is crazy. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is crazy. But uh, 20 years now, of imprisonment and hard labor. And hard labor. What and the hard labor. Well, it's Louisiana. Louisiana's going to have that. That's slavery. I mean, legal slavery is what that is. Yeah, because yeah. uh, the sale in question took place in 2012 and 2013 and 20. So they caught him for like multiple purchases of grams. Oh my god, it was mm-hmm. since 20 years in prison. Oh my god, state prosecutors are often being pushed to enhance the punishment under Louisiana habitual offender statutes due to yep. multiple past drug related convictions. This is crazy, right? Life in prison without parole. And so, when some people say that they don't go to prison for life for small amounts of marijuana, that's not true. Uh, they have well the three strikes you out that just proves you know i know many people who who lived on the edge for a while there in california it's just you know we make these laws to to try for the betterment but there's no it does more harm than good we're not you know we can't put uh addiction in prison we can't put you know cops don't stop crime (laughs) it's just a thing man oh that's so horrible yeah Um, I mean, when you have all these types of laws that are just all um, different, depending on where you look, now you have some news out of the Supreme Court that came out. This is our other lead story for the week. The United States Supreme Court has asked the feds to weigh in on medical marijuana worker compensation cases. That is being reported out of the marijuana moment. And so uh, they asked for an amicus, also known as an amicus brief. Mm. Uh, uh, or maybe it's not. Maybe an amicus is not when it's done by a an actual participant of the, the, the litigation. An amicus is like if it's through a third party who's just saying what they think. This would be an actual brief because it is the views of the United States. And this one, the mm. Solicitor General is invited to file a brief in this case expressing the views of the United States, says the Supreme Court's latest docket entry. So this case comes out of Minnesota, uh, where me- uh, medical is legal. Let's um, see. On Friday, it concerned Minnesota employers who start workers' compensation for medical cannabis expenses after being hurt while working on the job. So uh, workers' comp, you're injured on the job, you then file a claim, and then they say, wait a second, no. Uh, and so the Supreme Court is asking the Solicitor General to submit a brief notable development in the case that appears to hinge on the interpretation of the Supremacy Clause of the Constitution. Mm. I wonder how, you know, this is really the only reason why these people aren't getting paid is because of insurance, big insurance. Yeah, you know the, the the whenever you have a federal contract or whatever it is, or insurance uh, company, that's always the one they're like the zero tolerance bullshit. 
And there it is. And there's there's some amicus briefs that were filed by unrelated third parties to the litigation. So Empire State Normal and two other groups, New York City Cannabis Industry Association and the Hudson Valley Cannabis Industry Association. Hmm. But see, this is again, people have been getting fired for their for their medical uh, cannabis. You know, it's funny. Hey, I I just had a a nice conversation with Paul Stanford of Oregon, longtime Mm -hmm. activist, and it'll be going live Friday. Um, but you know, he, he ran a, a bunch of, um, doctor facilities for prescriptions, but it's so funny. He never called them prescriptions. He calls them permits. You know, it's not a prescription you're getting because, uh, you know, doctors can't legally prescribe you medicine. It's, it's right. a permit in your state to, to smoke in your state, essentially. Yeah. That's right. Um, they they often say that when all the statutes for medical cannabis, that says recommendation, not prescription. Yeah. So I just, I wonder how this i mean obviously you get hurt on the job you got you got too many you got not too many but you got a lot of barriers going against you but also wonder if this would protect people from getting fired on a job just for having you know cannabis as their medicine their choice of uh you know unfortunately if it can't be their choice of recreational it's gotta be a choice of like the new generation yeah Uh, pepsi i tell you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it is interesting. For its part, the Minnesota Supreme Court ruled last year that both workers' comp claims were invalid because of the marijuana Schedule One status under the Federal Controlled Substances Act. So despite them having medical cards in Minnesota and being hurt in Minnesota to a Minnesota employer, the Supremacy Clause of the United States overruled their claims. I don't know about that. And so it's going to be interesting to see why uh, or what the United States has to say in this brief that the Solicitor General has been invited to file on the case expressing the views of the United States. It'll be interesting. I mean, again, I, I don't, I'm not going to hold my breath until legalization happens first because this, I don't think this is going to be heard. You know, it, it can be stalled for a while, just like Home Grow has been stalled in our committee stuff for fuck, three years now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what is it that's pressing this issue none you know there's no judge that has to hurry up and hear this and and come to a decision they this is not their concern right now i don't think unfortunately and i think it should be yep it should be but they don't care they don't care you know who does you guys watching at home and listening in your cars or while you're cleaning uh and you should send us some nug shots that's one of the things you can do over at cannabis legalization news.com or you can go ahead and just uh, email them to 420binary at gmail.com or go ahead and find me over at Cannabis Industry Lawyer on Instagram and you can flip me some uh, nug shots there. But we do have a pretty good name that strain for you coming up today after some more news. So nice. Moving on, moving on in the broadcast. Where are we? I mean, we've covered the main stories. I think now we are on to uh, some stocks. Okay. Marijuana stocks like Sundale growers are wilting today. This is out of yesterday, but uh, the stock market was down pretty heavily yesterday because I guess there's a country called Russia that is invading another country called Ukraine. Uh, this is what this is what happens when you make cannabis illegal. You turn into Russia. And so anyway, it's not a very good time for speculative investments, according to Mockley Fool. Marijuana stocks are just getting kneecapped, is what they call it. And so Canadian companies, Canada growth, no, Canopy growth was down 3% yesterday. Sundial growers was down over a percent and a half. Uh, let's see here. Charlotte's Web Holdings shed 6%. Curaleaf shed 6%. 
And uh, this Hexo, is that an actual marijuana stock or is that an ETF of it? But if you want to see who's been losing money, go uh, check out the marijuana stocks. They're almost at 52-week low. To me, that seems like a bad choice if you're an investor, right? Like, even though all the, the, the World War III might happen sooner than later, um, cannabis has proven to be a recession-proof stock. So, I mean, like, why are you, like, even though the law is still not 100% there, the momentum, the toothpaste knocking it back in the jar, you know, why, what are, what are we doing? Who are you fooling? You know, I mean, right. I mean, and again, though, a lot of these investors throwing money at horrible cannabis companies, and it's like a boat. You just got to keep throwing it in there until, you know, it, it absorbs it, I guess. I, I just well, I don't mean, understand it's, why. It's not all gravy it's not all gravy i mean you can just see an etf on the the cannabis stocks uh here it is uh, the advisors pure u.s cannabis etf that is ticker msos and it is down from one year it's down quite a bit like so like at the high of msos like last year was at 47.90 and then right now it's at about 20 bucks and so year over year msos are down uh a little bit more than 50 percent. so you know hey maybe it's a good time to buy some cannabis stocks because how low can they go that's true i mean what are they pulling out so they can invest in raytheon no <laughs> From just, uh, a lot of the market has gotten hurt lately but uh cannabis stocks were just shellacked all later half of last year uh and now with the uh, types of legalization that's contemplated on the east coast not in illinois in illinois cannabis stocks up because there's only four of them but mm. uh, you know it's just a lot of the corporate cannabis names are starting to get less profitable because there's more competition well and then maybe too the consumers get more aware of like a lot of these big companies who are uh you know uh, i saw a, a quoted tweet from um uh, i think it was chill noise or somebody uh about uh what's the company where the the ceo her husband was uh in trouble uh down in florida the the main one no clue uh, dude because he, he he was bragging about how they have all the lobbyists in their pockets and, and the politicians but one of the things he says we don't know anything about growing weed we don't have to all oh yeah that was, was, that was true leaf yeah we didn't have to know anything about growing weed we had the brotherhood and we're able to get one of these lucrative lucrative licenses and then sign bobby tuna to have him go to every old folks home and chill for him it's brilliant yeah, but it's also part of the problem. I mean, uh, you know, when you have people who don't know anything, and they're also the ones also influencing the regulation. Like, when you, they don't know anything about this. And really, it's not that hard to, because this plant's been way over-regulated the way it has been. You know, it's not uh, rocket science. It's, a, yeah. it's an agriculture product. But speaking of agricultural products, there's some news on hemp that has come out. And so the cannabis.net is reporting that high on hemp, not quite new bill introduced to raise the THC limit in hemp to 1%. Hot hemp is a problem, but this new bill will, it's called the Hemp Advancement Act of 2022. It raises the threshold of THC from 0.3% to 1%, which would allow for all the genetics to be uh, grown that are truly hemp cultivars. And, and by that, you know, it's more Dr. Ethan Russo's, who was on the show previously, by the way. It's yeah. a great episode. If you guys want to see oh, one yeah. of our best episodes, just search our channel for Dr. Ethan Russo. Uh, wonderful. But uh, yeah, those hemp cultivars that he talks about, it's the 20 to 1 ratio. And so if it's 21 ratio, 
and you're you're pulling, you're doing really good farming and you're getting 20% CBD, you're probably going to be kind of close to a 1% THC. Have you gone through that act? Have you have you looked through it? No. So I tried, one of our viewers uh, submitted it, sent it to me and uh, said, you know, because uh, everything could be questionable. It is questionable, you know, because 1% sounds nice, but I believe there's other components of that bill that tries to, all the other cannabinoids, Delta 9 and, and Delta 8 and Delta, it tries to group them all into one uh, prohibition style, uh, be, just because they're deltas, I believe. You know, this is not, not real science going on behind this. Is this is uh, prohibitionists and fear mongering? The same people who believe all the memes on uh, Facebook by their grandma uh, are the ones that are like making these rules, right? Because there's no real reason behind it. What what is? Why are you trying to group all these cannabinoids together? Why? And again, the prohibition of the plant itself is just not right, right? It's mm-hmm. not based off of science. It's based off of fear mongering. Well, this Hemp Advancement Act introduced on February 8th by Congresswoman Chile Pingree and objectives to improve the provisions of the 2018 Farm Bill and increase flexibility of hemp farmers and processors when producing these products. However, it looks like, you know, three potential corrections to the Farm Bill, the new 2022 bill would make. And so it's 2022. Farm bills happen every four years. There probably is going to be another one this year. And um, we'll see. But I think the definition of hemp is going to be changing. Oh, 100%. But how is that going to affect the definition of cannabis, too? Yeah. Yeah, that's something else. I mean, like the... And a lot of the definitionals that we see in the, because uh, I'm on the ISBA's committee for cannabis law, and you'll see, um, you know, bills that are proposed that come through, and they're changing a lot of things. Like, what if you had to only have a THC license if you were going to be processing hemp? You know, it's something else. Well, and I told you about the guy the, that was out here. They they stopped doing it because they got a lot of flack, but they were getting Delta Eight concentrated, extracting it and turning it to Delta Nine. And then putting it in our 502 market, which was the legal recreational market. So it was genius, but it's also unfair where, you know, there's a seed to sell process for the TAC plant. But yet a hemp field, you can be abundant as long as you just test under point oh three or whatever, you know, point three, zero point three. So it's, it's yeah. three tenths of one percent. And so sometimes some people do say zero point three. And sometimes I hear point zero three and I'm like, nope, you missed one. That's that would be ninety nine point nine seven, as opposed to ninety nine point seven. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's such a small number that just it bothers me. No matter how you know, like Doctor Ethan said, it should be a ratio thing, not a not a, not a you know right. percentage of just one particular cannabinoid craziness. Yeah, we got yeah. we got some international news. Do we have international news? I mean, like, have we have we beaten the the dead horse that is this hemp bill to an oh, end? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should do something about like, hey. What do you guys think about the 1% THC? Do you think hemp should be 1% or do you think that the 0.3% that they just pulled out of their butts in the 1970s is the correct uh, regulation? Because with the, the, the high percentage uh, of THC, I mean, it doesn't matter. Can it, it can still be used for stock, right? Mm-hmm. It's about how you grow the plant, about the, the, the fibers of the plant. Right. It is. It's about how you grow the stuff as opposed to um, anything else, but uh, or why you grow it. I mean, if you're growing it for its cannabinoids, should that be just a different regulation than if you're growing it for its uh, non-cannabinoid properties, like its seed or its whole, uh, what do they call it? Herds? Is that what's yes. in the middle of it? The stuff that they use for biomass and for concrete. other things or for its cord? Yeah, for the concrete, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I totally think there should be two different laws applied for the attention of its use, right? Because one's going to be human consumption. The other one's going to be, you know, my house <laughs> or my counter. Right, right, right. It's just the fiber. Cannabis yeah. plants are all hemp. Cannabis plants are technically all hemp. That's true. But, you know, um, laws are weird. They make different uh, things depending on which line you're on. And that line, who made it up? Some guy in the 70s. Did he have any reason for it? No, he did not. Oh, isn't that neat? That's uh, that's the real world that we live in. Yeah, it's all arbitrary, right? All this BS. It is. It is. A lot of it is completely arbitrary and just BS. But then sometimes, you know, you get to say, oh, my goodness, thank goodness. Uh, it's 20 past the hour, which means that it's 420 in Venezuela right now. I tell you what, sure is. Yep, 4.20 somewhere. You know, tomorrow we're going to be doing something that's kind of fun. And I just got some emails from the developer of the software. And so I'm really looking forward to it. It's our first one that we're doing, though. It's our first workshop that we're doing. And uh, our workshops are kind of like the thing we use to get into the uh, Cannabis Application Mastermind because it's relevant stuff that doesn't necessarily go into an application. But tomorrow we're going to talk about real estate syndication deals and how how do you capitalize your cannabis business? You know, when you have sure. the age of social equity and, and then you don't want to give away too much equity to... Um, you know, another party because you need to raise a few million dollars because it's the cannabis industry and you can't get the bank loans that you can. But there's some ways that you can do it. So we're going to be giving a workshop on that tomorrow. There will be personal financial statements. Sure. So there's like a whole chicken and egg thing to the thing, right? Like, like first, like that was my problem was the license requirement for Washington State at the time needed. You needed that that lease, and I was like, there's no hell way I'm going to pay for a rent on a speculation, uh, right? And that sucks because like if you are already a business owner and you have a lease, you can just say, yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, but then it was at least cheaper in the sense that you just had to fill out a page and then get into the lottery. It wasn't like it was more along the lines of what you had to do. Mm, kind of like in Kittery, Maine, but Kittery, Maine, I think we're going to be talking about later in the program uh, in, in lottery hacking news. But yeah, man. Crazy, yeah. I mean, and again, the legalization is not fair. I mean, at least the, what we thought it would be <laughs> to the common Correct. average citizen. Correct. Legalization is really not what we thought it would be uh, somewhere. <laughs> uh, we're doing international now, or you want to do international? Or that's the, one of the things about uh, where was that that uh, grown in one? Did we put that in? Uh, this is a vice one for India. Uh, I know it's it's that's the now next one, but I guess we just didn't. Oh. We we're supposed to put in that one on uh, what's it called, Connecticut, and that or, or the Kittery, Maine. That didn't they didn't make it. I guess. Oh yeah, I didn't see that one at all. Yeah. Well, oh yeah. no, there's one on Connecticut though. I got one on Connecticut, and I got one on. Um, you know, like Kentucky. Well, let's go back to the the show and get the dang article and put it in. You know. <laughs> Wait, do a little banner. What's that? You don't want to do international, you want to do nails. Nah, let's just go to Maine Attorney oh. General puts Kittery Cannabis License Lottery under investigation, according to the people at Grown In, who don't allow you, I guess, to get out of their pop-ups. 
Uh, and so that was an interesting one. The lottery appears to have been held in violation of the provisions of both Title 17 and Title 17A of the revised statute. It is illegal to conduct a game of chance without a license or registration issued by the gambling control unit. And so this city in um, Maine held this lottery and it was a complete brute force lottery in the sense that you just bought as many tickets as you could stomach and then you won. And so yeah, um, it's complete brute force. And then now it's like, oh, I'm sorry. You should have had a license to conduct that lottery, Mr. Kittery, Maine. And Mr. Kittery, Maine, of course, is a municipality and not a person. So was that just for the that was so that was just like for the licenses in their facility? Um, well, they is it up to the, the the county or whatever to have the amount of licenses available, or were they issued out from the state? Like everybody gets five licenses or whatever. You know? Nope. Uh, Maine is an open state, and so the municipality allows them to set the number of licenses that they will have. Wow. That that would be a really good way to do things. Unfortunately, that is kind of shady how they monopolize the bingo hall. <laughs> you know, they should have just, you know, everybody gets a ball. You know, one ball. But think about it. Again, like it was, yeah, everybody gets a ball, one ball. But then, again, Kittery, Maine. Applicants were able to submit multiple entries at 750 bucks a ticket. Damn. The town took in 535,000 in entrance tickets. The two of those tickets belong to Mr. Nick Freed and Brandon Pollock, who are the CEO and CSO of Theory Wellness. Hopefully they didn't call me and I told them how to do this. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think it's pretty easy to like figure out how to hack a lottery when you are doing it in real time. And those are the rules. Yeah. Like, And I can just buy as many applications that I want. Yes. And so they bought half of them. They, they spent two hundred and seventy thousand dollars in applications, like I tell people to do, and then uh, they won. Can you believe that? How fair is this? So that was roughly about seven hundred and thirty um, submissions. They, they bought half. They bought half the tickets and won two thirds of the licenses. Shock the rules. Those were the rules. I mean, let's, they, they didn't say the rules weren't the rules. But, yeah, uh, oh, that's horrible, though, man. But I just think it's hilarious that um, the state allowed them to do it knew that they were doing it, they did it, and then they said, no, you can't do that. That's hilarious. They, yeah. they realized how bad it looked, though. <laughs> they realized... I mean, they, they, this is the exact same thing that happened in Illinois. Probably the exact same thing happens in Ohio. exact same thing might be happening in uh, Connecticut here in a bit. Mm -hmm. um, maybe in your state soon, too. And so it, how do you... Because the municipality or the state is able to make this payday. And so they, they made $530,000 that day. Yeah. It's a nice line item, you know, to help balance some budgets. And so, you know, you have municipalities that need money. Uh, why are they going to cap the number of licenses? What they usually do is not cap the number of tickets you can buy. They cap the number of licenses you can get. And so like you just li win your limit and you're out, yeah. you know? Now they should return all the money. And like, again, just one, one nut. Everybody gets one chance. Like, no. just it's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not how it works. Yeah. But like, that's the unfairness about this goddamn thing overall. Like, I think Arizona did like that. But again, I think in Arizona, you had to pay $30,000 for that one nut, which was ridiculous. no, no. Arizona was more like $3 million or something for one of those nuts. You needed all the leases. And then I think you still had to have like additional money. In Ohio, you needed yeah, all right. the leases and then additional monies. And then you weren't allowed to look at your top line revenue. You could only look at your, um, your uh, overhead and your actual numbers that you were going to have for staffing this thing and then the other shit. But um, mm. yeah, tell you what. I got uh, fingers crossed for Kentucky. 
Uh, is the Kentucky already in our, our notes, or are we making a pivot into the new story? No, well, it's in the notes, but it's not in the order, so we're kind of not in the order, but I have it um, lined up if you want, or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter to me, dude. No, I was just sneaking around that to, so we didn't have to go to another uh, bumper I smoked, immediately. I, I smoked a nice fatty earlier, so I'm just kind of chilling. Not me. Not me. I've been uh, doing some work. Doing some work. You know, oh, uh, hot stocks. Where is there? It is the international news. Let's hit that international news and go back to where we were. And in international, this is why we cannot have nice things in the news. Uh, cops burned $66 million worth of a tribe's cannabis to send a message. Uh, cannabis has been farmed for decades by impoverished tribal communities in South India. And this is being reported out of Vice News and Pavali Pundar is saying a historic ceremony outside the small suburban village of Kaudur transfixed India over the weekend and announcements were made in advance. Some journalists flew to the occasion. Police drones circled the skies and police of the southern India state of Ahandra Pradesh has amassed a year's worth of seized cannabis, over 200,000 kilos from almost 1,400 seizures. And they said it was worth 66 million and then they burned it all down. And seen underneath that is a, an advertisement for beer. Um, and then an advertisement for money. Uh, that's terrible. I can't believe that they are putting on spectacles in India about how to be tough on crime. Their own people, where they actually have a cannabis culture. They're arresting their own culture. Well, I learned, I learned uh, uh, from Paul Stanford that uh, Japan, you know, we know how prohibition is, how bad it is there in Japan. But they use it in their ceremonies when they indoctrinate the new emperor, like, or whatever their head of state is. So... You know, the United States has been really good about exporting hate and prohibition. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and if you scroll down, you'll see the video of them burning it. You know, it's funny, too. I wonder if, like, you know, if the village, the rest of the village was, like, ran down wind. It was, like, ran down wind. Because, yeah. you, know, you know, in the States, when the DEA What do you burns, think would happen if you're downwind from that? Oh, man. I'd be breaking out the That showed up. them. They really ruined that uh, cannabis ceremony by lighting it all on fire. You showed me, guys. <sighs> now, hang on. Hang on. They do have a little caption underneath that. It says, at the burning ceremony, cops said they added sugar and camphor as inhibitors so the potent smoke doesn't affect the attendees. Can you Bastards. believe that stuff? And then they gassed them. Bastards. Bastards. How would you make it less fun? Why would you? Because it's it's illegal and bad people use it. And you're supposed to only go like to India to practice math and coding and like, you know, uh, your your diction. That's just the ultimate barbecue, man. If you just had a grill set up on the side at the same time that yeah. was going on. And they do have outdoor cultivation in India, it appears. And so here is a field of some outdoor cultivation. One of these pockets, if the Maoists see a police, they can attack that's crazy. Ron yes. So they allow it for them to grow it if they report on the Maoists. So once again, using cannabis to keep communism in check. What a country, India. So crazy. And then we have some uh, news from Italy, too. What is the headline from Italy? That is from Gonchpreneur. And do you already have that one set? Sweet. Italy. High court tosses voter back cannabis reform referendum. 
Uh, Italy is doing a South Dakota and saying yes. its people are confused. Italy's constitutional court threw out a voter initiative to allow home cannabis cultivation and ease penalties for other cannabis-related offenses. That's Italy's constitutional court. It struck down a proposed voter initiative that would have eased restrictions on growing weed and other cannabis-related offenses, according to Reuters. Uh, the Giuliano Amato, president of the high court and former prime minister, said the proposal included policies that were enough to make us violate multiple international obligations. Isn't that something else? Like, we can't make it legal in our state because of the supremacy clause, yes. is what they'll argue if you try to get an insurance claim on it. But then also, uh, you know, our voters are confused. And then also, it's it would be... It would exceed our authority as a country because of treaties. Are you kidding? Does it I mean, are you just anything? Nobody has responsibility or the ability to do the right thing when it comes to the cannabis plant. What is up with that? Or just to recognize common sense. Like this thing is not hurting anybody. Who are you protecting? What, what horrible scenario are you trying to stop? Because really it's doing more harm than good by keeping it illegal. Mm-hmm. By keeping it illegal, I just cannot believe that that's what they would rather do as opposed to, you know, changing the law. We can't change the law. There's international treaties protecting us from changing the law. The organizers collected over 500,000 signatures in just one week prior to the submitting it to court. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of people looking for it. It's not like their people don't want it. Yeah. Malta uh, became the first country in the union to legalize cannabis. Germany is moving towards legalizing it too. Europe is about to get lit. It'll be cool again. It will. You know, because like Europeans, they're so fucking stuck up. They need to calm down, you know, and that weed would really help with that. Yeah, well, you know who needs weed is fucking Putin. <laughs> uh, Putin. Putin needs uh, some shit that you just can't give him. Like, you know. That's one of those things where uh, uh, the only way out for him is probably being murdered by other people. But well, like, we don't need to talk about uh, a, a terrible dictator than the East where, where they just aren't free, but at least they are educated in how to code. That's one thing that I can say for the Russians. They know how to code. Um, other than that, not much to say. They're not. It's yeah. all good. Yeah, let's move. We'll continue on. Yeah, I mean, moving into that, we were already done the 420 somewhere. Let's get into some trending news as opposed to that trending news that we're talking about because, uh, yeah, we don't need to talk about it. Now, that's some good trending news. Kentucky Democrats want to skip medical marijuana and go straight to full legalization, according to City Beat magazine. This will be great. I mean, why not? I mean, I think a lot of these, we, me, uh, and people like me, I guess, tend to like think these flyover states are ignorant, but you know, there's civilization. There's the internet. <laughs> They're caught up. There I mean, are. Yeah. And Kentucky Democrats announced on Thursday that they are filing legislation that would legalize marijuana for recreational medical uses while also expunging all cannabis related misdemeanor convictions. Did you see the, uh, we need to go get this bill and start dissecting it. And that is known as the Let's Grow Bill. The acronym yeah. stands for legalizing sales, expunging crimes, treating those with medical needs, and taxing sales. Uh, let's go book these. We should book these guys on a Sunday show because oh, we yeah. get guests on Sunday. It'd be great. We're going to tune in Sunday. We got a guest. Do you need cannabis insurance? Tune in Sunday. 
I'd love to smoke weed in Kentucky. Well, I think we're going to go. Let's put them on the outreach program then. Uh, State Rep. Rachel Roberts and State Senator Morgan McGarvey and David Yates. Let's see if they have an Internet connection down in Kentucky and want to get on the program because I did some content on Kentucky when SB 350, I believe, with Dalen Leach was there. And he was like, yeah, Dalen Leach, that was that was Pennsylvania. I mean, there has been failures to launch in in our broadcast over the past three years and then there's been surprises and so like we just kind of have to do shows with state senators in wherever just to see what's popping you know just to start establishing ourselves and getting the inside scoop well we definitely need to get more uh you know congressmen and senators or whatnot on here because you know they're not above us they're just your neighbors and their fellow people that you know register to vote and play an adult it's all they did that's the only difference between them and you and I think it's great when we have them on there because they really break it down. You know, even like your local, when we have the uh, Illinois, uh, mm-hmm. you know, centers on here, it was pretty cool. Yep. Did we talk about Alabama yet? Did we talk about Alabama yet? Uh, Alabama was on our uh, list of uh, things that we might be discussing. Yeah. Let's uh, let's go and do something on Alabama. Uh, and so in Alabama news, Miggy, what, what's happening in Alabama? I got you. Alabama Senate committee approves cannabis decriminalization bill. So we're getting there. Yeah. The yeah. Alabama Senate judiciary approved a bill to decrim cannabis possession in the state and expunge prior cannabis charges. According to Gondrepreneur magazine, the Alabama Senate judiciary on Wednesday approved a bill to decriminalize possession in the state. The Associated Press reports bill sponsor state Senator Bobby Singleton admits the bill's chance of passing the legislature is not bright considering it's an election year. Look at that right there. Not bright considering election year. Yeah. Alabama pump fake news, everybody. Well, you know, they just got uh, a medical. You know, we had that the, the the freedom fighter on here. She and she wasn't even a consumer. So, right. you know, that the bothered me. They passed the committee five to four vote. We need to find those four. Mm-hmm. Find out who those are. But uh, yeah, but I like how they're basically not. They're, they're basically trying to just make sure we are not locking up people on marijuana charges. That's what the sponsor has said to the Associated Press. Too bad, though. Not a good shot of passing this year. Election year. Gotta go get out to the polls. Keep arresting those people for weed. Well, how about you flip it and say it's an election year. I should talk about weed and and legalization. You know, like that's where these people have their narrow 1930 binders on. You know, it's it's modern day. You don't have to be afraid of it no more. Yeah. Yeah. It's just bizarre that they're still afraid of it, but... Yet, there they are, and they're still afraid of it, and they'll still be afraid of it tomorrow because nothing changes except for my hairstyle, and uh, that's about it, you know. Yeah. And 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 technology gets a little bit better each day, and then nothing changes because we're going to be talking about the same damn thing that we've been talking about for fifty years for another fifty years. Well, even again, once uh, even like the law happens tomorrow, it'll still be another ten-year process till it becomes. You know, interstate commerce, uh, yeah. you know, regulated yeah. wise. Well, not only that, look at the hemp laws. And so yeah. they, they, do you think they're going to do a pilot program like they did with hemp? Hey, guys, I know how we're going to legalize weed in the United States. Pilot program. We'll do a cannabis pilot program and say we're legalizing it in four years. It's the old Virginia play. <laughs> but that'd be uh, Mississippi, right? Because uh, they had the, the the college, so we could just say like that's the first pilot part, and then sure, 
expand. I don't know. Yeah, there's some good lo- uh, news coming out of Mississippi these days, but uh, yeah. not necessarily. And this isn't that terrible news out of Connecticut. Uh, we have some Connecticut-related cannabis legalization news. More than 40% of Connecticut municipalities opted out of the cannabis industry. Now, that one's coming out of uh, Gondrepreneur Magazine as well. 40% have opted out, citing conflicts between state and federal law. And so, isn't that something? Isn't that something? People are all about states' rights until they disagree with the politics. And then they're like, we can't do that. The supremacy clause. I don't like money. I don't like money. (laughs) I got enough money that's not related to cannabis. And so, like, cannabis money doesn't concern me. My community don't need a a pool or a center. (laughs) They have all the the, um, hallmarks of the wording here. Some are going to have outright bans. Some are going to take a wait-and-see approach and see how the new policy plays out. Uh, towns have implemented bans. Towns have implemented moratoriums. Moratoriums, which is where you do more or, moria. So, like, what do you do in moratoriums? Because, like, doesn't like mortier mean to die in, in Latin? So, like, yeah. death rooms. Is that what a moratorium is? It's a pause. California was big it's on that. Pause. Yeah, it's yeah. a pause. That's all it means, really. But you know, it's so weird to see this. Like, we're gonna wait and see bullshit. It's like. Uh, hey, Connecticut, we need more studies. I mean, what what are you talking about here? It's a thousand-year-old plant, been legal now in 20, you know. Yeah, <laughs> tune in for another great moment in weed history with Tom and Miggy, and then we're going to make that into a playlist because that'll be like the studies playlist, you know. Yes. Let's talk about how they haven't done the studies. For more on the studies playlist, go to the studies playlist. It'll be like great moments in weed history. And so we'll be like another one of the studies, you know, because um, we can we can do that and just go yeah. straight through history and only focus on one at a time. It'd be hilarious. Oh, my God. Yeah. And from like the, the 20s to now. Jesus. Well, that's why we have the, the, the segment uh, Great Moments in Weed History with Tom and Miggy. There you go. I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, we've kind of built that up, but we also have not played name that strain, and we're kind of getting on toward the hour. And so I say that we play some name that strain sure. before we do great moments in weed history and the other stuff because I know we have it. Sounds good. There oh, she man. is. What do you think that is? Nice solid nug. Very crystally. I don't even. Very know silver. Yes. And like lots of red hairs and very silver, maybe some slight undertones of purple under all those frostiness. Uh, it is uh, an interesting one. It's an interesting one. There is a white widow uh, parent in that. So that is, oh, that's the name of that strain. Let's go ahead and get to the uh, GSC. No, lemon skunk. Also, no. Uh, is, yeah, no, it's not that. So silver haze, also not a silver haze. Um, Let's see, uh, indica, and and so it's a North American indica, and another one that one of its parents is white widow. Both of its parents look like they're fairly indica, so it's definitely an indica uh, strain on it. It's not mm. Mac. It's oh, Trent Davis, Trent Davis. What you nice. believe that? Boom, nails it. White rhino, a hybrid marijuana strain bred from the white widow and a North American indica, resulting in bushy and stout plants. And not only a bushy and stout plants, you know, um, uh, other stuff. It's 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 good looking. And so this strain <laughs> is said to descend from cultivar sorts from Afghanistan, Brazil, and India. Brazil being the surprise there, is that's you know more uh, equatorial. 
I don't, I've never heard of a Brazilian indica, you know. Uh, White Rhino's high THC content makes it a popular choice amongst consumers looking for heavy-handed relaxation and symptom relief. And I'd say that all those trichromes that are on there uh, make it look like there are a lot of uh, THC. Yeah, I'm not even going to fake the funk about genetics, dude. I don't even try to, like, understand, like, I, you know, but I do like weed. But, you know, talking to Paul uh, Stanford, uh, he he's talking about how he's doing these, uh, all the conventions, touring doing talk and speaking engagements you know he was one of the first people to import hemp into the united states during the <laughs> 70s um that's why he gets a lot of these engagements and i was like dude you know when i was in cabo it was the worst weed it reminded me back in 1980 i was like it's some of the, the like they haven't changed like like my people made me sad you would think by now they cultivate weed a lot better but he was telling me because the weed i was smoking was obviously the, the illegal weed but he said the illegal these, stuff yeah the the shoved in a gas tank and brought across the border but um he was telling me their 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 agriculture has been pretty good out there like in, in south america from brazil to mexico to argentina you know they're all refining their growing techniques and i'm pretty excited to see what that comes out to be down there nice nice man well i got another one that's queued up that uh it's pretty interesting and and was kind of out there today and so i'm not sure if i want to do this under a trending news bumper or something else because it has to do with these raids raids the raids are back everybody and they still suck law enforcement officers conducted a massive raid of black market marijuana and they have issued arrest warrants this is coming out of the oklahoman so if you are tuning in and you're in the industry in oklahoma yeah thumbs up for you man Oklahoma DEA conducted a massive raid of nine grow ops across the state early Tuesday, targeting criminal organizations that are believed to have transported black market cannabis out of state. Once again, uh, we should be replacing the word black market with legacy and or untaxed. Illicit is also acceptable. You know, Uh, I don't even like the illicit term. You know, I mean, it's just uh, non-taxed is what it is. Untaxed or yeah, uh, a legacy market kind of a surplus yeah. of grown supply. Look at that surplus with grown supply within the Oklahoman borders. Holy crap! They called the National Guard to clean up. Holy crap! Uh, Oklahoma is not a safe haven for criminals who think they can hide behind a medical marijuana license, according to Donnie Anderson, director of the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics. So the OBN coming for you if you are not compliant with their law licenses. Dude, they searched three residences they haven't listed too. In uh, three, six, three, nine farms. Nine like, farms. That's crazy, dude. That you know, and in the farms, these are big farms that are just out there, out in the open. You know, they're not, they're not hiding. Nope. So where are they sending their product? Uh, yeah. California. That doesn't sound right. California is usually a net exporter. I'm not sure why it would be going back to California. North Carolina, Missouri, Indiana, and Texas, though, uh, with the exception of Missouri, that actually has a fairly vibrant medical, uh, but it's still it's still emerging, even though it's a fairly vibrant medical program. Yeah. Uh, all these other ones, North Carolina, no program there. Indiana, no supply. Texas, also no supply. So this, you know, it, that that demand wouldn't be there if the those states would change their cannabis laws to provide for a local market to come exactly. in and to supply the people that clearly want the product. And then that would also normalize the market effects of the oversupply of cultivators in states like California, the whole West Coast, and also uh, Oklahoma. 
and not the whole West Coast. I mean, there's Washington State has a sufficient supply of cultivators. Yeah, I know, but, but but the thing is, prohibition has a history of of prosecuting and 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 uh, hating on successful people, successful growers, people who are good at growing, people who are able to create a network and sell. Like all they busted, I bet you, is all Americans here. There's no secret, uh, you know, cartel. I mean, there could be some nefarious money involved in these, but I bet you, for the most part, these are just a lot of Oklahomians, a lot of Texans, a lot of people who see an opportunity to go to Oklahoma and grow like that. And, uh, you know, when you, once you leave the state, that's on you, though. Well, uh, it's also the that's why supply controls are there. And so the I think this is really the beginning of regulations in the Oklahoma market. So yeah, totally. You're seeing it. You're seeing them say this is where the moratoriums start or where uh, and the enforcement is now coming. But well, they, with think, that, you know, it sounds like we're going back to the future. So I was going to say, like, you know, finish your thought and do some. Oh, no, you're good. Let's do it. All right. We got something from the History Channel. History.com is uh, reporting that marijuana, also known as cannabis or pot, uh, has long been known to ancient cultures. Oh, don't forget to sign up for the History Channel. But how long does it go back? Most of it goes back to Asia around 500 B.C., not B.C.E., because the History Channel is Christian. And the, the dates of cannabis cultivation in America dates back to colonials who grew hemp, textiles, and rope. How much evidence do you think we would see if they were smoking hemp back then for if they were growing it for its uh, cannabinoid content? Well, I imagine they were. But, you know, there's been pipes and bongs found, you know, old ancient in China smoking implements. So I imagine they're being used for all the, you know, effects. Uh, you know, Indian hemp coming from India, where all the rope and stuff and sales are coming from. You know, this has been right. a, a culture long thing that. Just it, it made it an easy target in America in the early, you know, when it was issued, you know, when, when they went after cannabis, the majority of consumers were not white. So it made it easy for them to chase after a product and, and what do you call it, a herd. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, a I just think group. it's interesting that it goes back, you know, 2,500 years. Yeah. That we can prove. Like, if you go back 2,500 years for anything, it becomes really hard to prove that. Uh, and so it's uh, it an more studies. I mean, how do they know that it was grown only for hemp in like 1600? What were they doing? Nobody's, nobody's still around. We need do more we studies. We need more studies. We need to go back to 1600 and do some studies. I guarantee you they were smoking it, man. It's not like one day we all decided, like somebody in the 60s was like, hey, I found this really cool thing called weed and I think we should smoke it. No, it centuries long, all you know. Mm-hmm. humans and the, the interaction with the plant. Yeah, but that's the other thing, you know. Uh, when did we finally find out about this plant? Uh, that's going to be another great moments of in cannabis history with Tom and Maggie. This one was like, when did it start? About 500 BC, according to HistoryChannel.com. And so uh, that's 2,500 years ago. We've been using it for 2,500 years, and still we need more studies. There's a great uh, documentary slash book. Um, it's called A Botany of Desire. Have you seen that? I've seen that. I, I can't, is that Mike Pollan stuff? 
Yeah, and how he talks about the, the the human relation with plants, you know, like the tulips were used for currency, but cannabis is just another one of those plants that we've curated and protected and, and try to keep around for thousands of years. Why? Because we have it's an very, endocannabinoid system. <laughs> yeah, it's like we need it or something. Yeah. But then, like, you wouldn't know that depending on, like, the types of laws you see, see sometimes. Well, even in legal states, we got Colorado in the news. Colorado's in the news, huh? We have... Let me share this one for you. Oh, yeah. Colorado lawmaker presses for marijuana science review to look fairly at benefits as well as harms. Like, and again, we talked about this all the time where it's all about the harms, right? This is the only studies that get approved or the harm studies. They're only the harm studies that get approved. But now they're going to start looking at the ones that aren't harms, fortunately. Well, I just, I think it's a benign plant, right? Like, the law itself has created the crime. The law itself has created the uh, the fervor about you know reefer madness and like you can't function as a human being or an adult. You know, there I know plenty of assholes that smoke weed, but I also know a lot of good people that smoke weed. It's a plethora. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. only only good people eat oranges. I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's not as bad as that one news that I wasn't expecting this week. Did you see that one? Which one's that? According to Business Insider, marijuana testing for truck drivers is becoming a leading cause of the growing national trucker shortage, according to purported experts. Uh, These experts are saying the grueling lifestyle and aging workforce has some to do with the shortage of truck drivers. But Wells Fargo executives, that's right, Wells Fargo, that one company that tried to get you to open as many new accounts as possible so they could nickel and dime you for everything, that Wells Fargo, they uh, believe that there's another issue exacerbating the labor crunch, and that is marijuana testing. This is according to Chris Harvey, Wells Fargo's head of equity strategy. We reported on this like months ago where pandemic and uh, the supply chain was having issues and it was reported that when all the truckers were coming back from work 60 percent of the truckers felt beat this because they like to relax and enjoy life right <laughs> yeah you absolutely like to or uh, they would prefer to do something besides you know uh, smoke a whole bunch of crank and and then just go over the road for uh, 600 miles and then you know, sleep next to the side of the road. I mean, it's just, it's a grueling lifestyle to be a trucker, in my opinion. On your However, body. I really don't think it was the marijuana. These 60,000, how many truckers have tested positive for marijuana in the past two years? 60,000 truck drivers have tested positive for marijuana in the past two years. You know what happened? The pandemic hit. They couldn't get around. They started smoking weed. They realized they feel better because their body gets beat up while they're driving all day. And they're like, this is medicine. This is something mm-hmm. that I can get on with. And it won't be a, a, they're not a detriment to society, you know, like, and again, this is the whole federal thing that enables, you know, the whole insurance bullshit. It enables, it, it doesn't enable common sense. It enables bad regulation, bad policies. Yeah, this is why we can't have nice things, but the law has impacted 110,000 truckers, about 56% of which were reported for marijuana use, according to government data, 60,000 tested positive. And there's a shortage of 80,000 truckers. And so if federal law said, you know, it's all right, you know, that test isn't isn't the valid test anymore because it's lawful. Come up with a different test for impairment. 
Yeah. But that's the problem, right? Like, we need to find the bad. We need to find, like, what happened. And that's part of the whole uh, just say no, zero uh, policy that happened with the Reagans. When a couple of accidents happened in the military, they're like, whoa, everybody tested some some guys tested for weed it wasn't the fact that they're working 18 hours a day on a flight deck and just tired and uh, uh probably pressured and everything no it had to be the weed that they were smoking yeah and, uh, and blame the weed but then like this has to do with federal regulations and so if they test positive for it i think they have to be fired which is yeah. which sucks but then we we're talking about federal regulations yeah all the federal regu- regulations suck uh, that's one of the reasons why you might get kicked out of your public housing if you test positive or other aspects of it you know drug-free work zones that's those are like federal laws and shit uh, yeah it's just terrible but then uh, why don't they change because there's international treaties that are out there you know we can't we can't change these laws think about all of our treaty obligations you know why we can't change is because we have one hand that says, I'm not going to look at your bill until you look at my bill, because my bill is the true bill. And it's like, look, just just make it fucking happen. Right. <laughs> and they're both the same party. People? Can we? Yeah. Like, let's do. Um, that's why I think we need the, the cannabis legalization pilot program, just like we did for hemp in the in the 2014 farm bill. We'll do a pilot program. So if you have a state license, you're able to get a federal license. You can't do interstate commerce yet. But, you know, you just say that you're not legalizing it while you go ahead and legalize it. That's how you do it. You say you're not going to do it while you're doing it. I'm not legalizing it. We're just doing a pilot program. I swear, America is so goddamn touchy-feely worried about these snowflakes, about, like, people snapping and going, oh, my God, they're going to legalize it, and now everybody's going to go crazy. When the majority of the population is not like that, right? Like, we, we... the only reason why McConnell has so much goddamn power is because, you know, that the, the way the rules are, you know, yeah. if they were to fix it to where the majority is the ruling decision of like common sense and things going on, maybe we can come to this like full like deschedulation or something like, you know, full descheduling one day. But then I don't know about those international treaties. Yeah, right. Come on. That's Nixon shit, right? That's that. uh the what what bill was that with the the UN or something that how they how they help spread prohibition to other countries? It'll be another. We'll do that as one of our great moments in weed history or like ridiculous moments in weed history. Sure, I mean, yeah, why not, man? But I think we've uh, we've done it. We've come to the end of our list of cannabis legalization news for the week and burned a perfectly good hour doing it again. Hopefully, keeping you guys apprised of what happened this week. Yeah, definitely. I think we got it all. Cool, man. Well, I want to give a shout out to all of our members and uh, tell them, you know, thanks so much. And all the subscribers and all the viewers that tune in, check out the clip shows. And then on Sunday, we got a show about uh, insurance. And I'll talk to everybody soon. Smoke again. You should, you can pop this thing way back up then. It's now like people are like getting up to go to the bathroom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's like the theater. They're, doing shit. they're done. They're just checking out. Hey, that pipe that that 